Hi, this is Allison Lee Rosenfeld, and you may know me as the voice of Bonnie from Pokemon, and you are watching Anime Egotists. Will you please take care of my big brother? Happy watching! And welcome back to the Anime Egotists, where Sojiro actually makes curry for us. Yeah, it's nice of him. Yeah, he, he probably shouldn't have to, and I'll... I feel like I'd like his coffee. I don't know how much of a coffee drinker you are. No, I don't drink coffee, so... Maybe he can find something else for you. But anyways, my name's Alex, and man, I... I got I got nothing for this. I have Persona, I have persona on the mind right now, so my brain's kind of all over the place. And I'm Richard. I don't have Persona quite that much on my mind. <laughs> Maybe it'll get its own video someday. But guys, we are back, and when we watch anime... Let's just say there's a lot of reactions you could have to certain scenes. Yeah, you can. They can make you feel everything. Uh, you can feel angry for a character, happy, sad, overly excited, hyped. It's or it's, just utterly confused at points. Exactly, and so we decided to talk about some of the uh, moments that got us the gave us our biggest reactions to anime. Yeah, we're definitely not running out of ideas for podcast episodes at this point. But regardless, the anime, just moments in anime that make us go, oh, well, it wasn't boring. <laughs> and as we said, that, that can be good, bad, neutral. It, it, I'm really interested to see if you have any that are you, that made you so neutral about something. Let's let's just get into it. Do you mind starting us off? Sure. So I've talked about. Um, this moment before and that's why I've decided to start it with it and it's uh, All Might's Last Stand and the Your Next moment. So it's, if I remember correctly, this is season three it's towards the end um, we get this epic fight between All Might and All For One he uh, goes out all out, you get his big ultimate attack. All of his attacks are named after places in the U.S., so it's usually U.S. states or a city or something. But you get his ultimate attack, which is the United States of Smash. Uh, defeats the villain. And he kind of turns slightly towards the camera, points to it, and says, you're next. And it has two completely different messages, but it's told perfectly. To the regular, everyday person, it's uh, All Might saying, the, uh, if you want to do villainy, I'll take you down next. But to Deku, it's, this was my last fight. I'm passing the torch to you. And it's just, it, this I still think is the best moment in all of uh, My Hero. It's just, it, it's done perfectly when it comes to all the shonen stuff that I enjoy so much. Yeah, uh, based on the what you've told me of this scene, I do think it could, does sound like a pretty emotional, like, it could get you very much into the series, or get you to, to really notice what's going on. I notice a lot of My Hero fans, besides you, don't seem to talk about it as much by comparison, though. Yeah, I know that. I know the uh, uh, Class 1A performance musical is... Uh, talks about i think a good bit more and then there's other moments like the initial end of uh fight it's the end of season one is usually talked about a good bit but to me this is the moment that's like wow this is like this could not be a better end to this part of the story at this point yeah i can agree with that i i now every time i i every time i do hear about this moment i just like to think yeah uh deku he wasn't talking to you he was talking <laughs> He's talking to this ran he was talking to this random guy over here with mustard gas powers. Yeah, he, the guy in prison. Okay, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, I can turn my life around. I can, I'll be the hero that saves the day. Who's the stack of guy? No, get him out of here. I don't even think he was broken out of prison. That's the thing. They had a whole prison breakout arc at the end of last season, and <laughs> I don't remember him being included in that, so. Yeah, they left the kid in prison. Yeah. Yeah, I did think we just created a headcanon, but maybe that's another video for another day. Yeah, it's quite possible. But I can co-sign on to your pick. 
All right. So your next one? Or your first one? Uh, my first, the first moment in the anime that really just makes me, really just makes me question what I'm doing with my life. Ash and James versus May and Jesse from Pokemon. Okay, yeah, I can go sit on to this one. Okay, so the, the thing is, throughout this episode, Ash and May are bickering with each other, and it's lasting the whole episode, and same for Jesse and James. So at one point, they just decide, I'm done with men, I'm done with women. And the respective teams hear each other, and Jesse's like, hey, Twerp, Twerpette, why don't you come battle alongside me, and we'll put these guys in their place. And James does the same thing, like, hey, Twerp, let's go battle the, let's go battle the women and show who's number one. And the whole time, the, the, the episode's not great. It, it's funny, but it's not great. Hey, and after the, Brock just reluctantly says, uh, the battle will now begin, Je Jesse just calmly says, I hope you're ready. Because after we take, because with our combined feminine prowess, we'll take we'll take these two down um, in no time flat. And then May's like, oh, I guess I could knock Ash down a peg or two. And I guess James was not in a good mood that day because the moment that gets me to react is him saying, and I quote, let's blow those whiny women back to the dark ages right where they belong. <laughs> and then Ash is like, hmm, yeah, okay. I'm like, the fact that that line was said, the fact, the fact that nobody decided to stop and say, you know, this could sound kind of bad. Let's retool this. Like, the fact that nobody told Eric Stewart, hey, man, um, maybe we can't say all this. It just, it, it's weird. And you would think at the end, it's like, oh, it's going to show that the girls can be just as good as the boys. No, the girls get disqualified at the end and the boys win. So I guess James proved his point. It's a bizarre moment that, in all honesty, should get these characters canceled. <laughs> it gets me to laugh because it's so absurd. I, I I know this scene. I haven't seen this episode in so long, but the way I always remember it is that this gets memed so much. Yeah. Like, this entire little ep part of this episode, because I, I know I've seen the uh, Jesse talking to May about using their feminine wild to win. <laughs> You, it, the thing is, the episode's not even about. Oh well, you need to. We well, people need to see that women can be just as good as stuff as men and should be treated equally, which would be a good message. Or hey, hey, the girls are being kind of condescending, and the boys need to like, I guess, metaphorically put them in their place because of their attitude. But no, it's just men and women hate each other. That's basically the premise of this episode, and that line, I can't hate this episode. The only thing I have, from what I remember, is it's this with this episode is that it's if I remember correctly, it's not really ended well. It, it doesn't really feel like it resolves May and Ash's issues. It just I sort think, of ends. I think they apologize to each other, but it's it's one of those things where it kind of just feels like it lasts the whole episode. So it's kind of not really something you want to think about too much. I will say one of the cutest things I remember is that. The whole episode, Pikachu's actually on Brock's shoulder instead, and Brock's completely okay with it. Well, I would be too. Yeah, but just for the bizarre, unfathomable old reactions and reasoning and memes to this, you can understand why every time I hear the slip, I I can't I, I can't just not I can't just ignore it. No, I I, I as I said, I, since I know exactly what happens in this one, I. I will 100% co-sign. Yeah, that's why I love the advanced generation. Because it, because good or bad, it was never boring. <laughs> Alright, so my next one. So, I have, this is the other one I've also talked about before. And every time I watch it, it gets me, not, it's both happy and sad. It's got it, mixed emotions for me, but it always makes me it tugs at my heartstrings whenever I see it, and it's Naruto and Minato's goodbye at the end of Naruto Shippuden. I agree. It, it's just, it's such a nice moment because Naruto gets to tell his dad how much, how great he's, of a person he's become, even without them. He's carrying on their legacy. He gets to tell uh, them not to worry that he has people in his life now that are going to be there for him and he'll be there for them. And you know that there's so much more that both of them want to say. They they missed out on all that time and yet they know they don't have the time to 
say it. It's not right for Minato to stay in this reanimated form. So uh, it's just that bit of that father-son bonding, but the also knowing that it's limited to the next minute at most. It's just, it's such a good moment. It makes me feel every single time I watch it. Yeah, I agree. It especially really helps because you really can't, because as much as people complain about certain anime characters having kids who are way too similar to them, you can see that me and you could argue that Naruto and his mom are more similar than Naruto and his dad. But you could still tell there are similarities between the two, and they do genuinely really have grown to care about each other in the what what three day period this war was going on. There's that, and then uh, I mean the little bit of knowledge from a. Uh when Naruto almost released the seal originally and his yeah. father's spirit that was trapped in there. Yeah, but I always felt like that was more five minutes than it was how three episodes or however long it was supposed to take. Yeah, but and then but this is yeah, they've gotten to know each other a little bit more. They've um Naruto's become the big hero that his father pretty much was before him. It's just everything feels right and it actually feels like it served goodbye. And especially since even after all that, Minato says, by the way, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And as touching as it is, there it does, it, it ru- gets ruined for me personally, because at this point I'd be saying, wait a minute, what about that? What about that kunai that lets you teleport? Can I get that? And he's like, oh, I'm fading away. But like, I'd be like, somebody could have used that, but okay. Well, I think by the time after that, Naruto could teleport without it. So. Well, give it to someone else. Uh, that's very true. Someone else could really use that. Yeah. Imagine Shikamaru with that. He could be behind you before you even realized it and have you in his uh, uh, Shadow Strike Jutsu or something. That would, that would be terrifying. M- maybe he could use a power-up nowadays, considering everything I've heard. But I can yeah. definitely co-sign. It's, de- it's definitely a moment that, all, that you'll always remember. Exactly. Alright, so my next one? Go right ahead. All right, you did a Naruto war arc moment, so I'll do a Naruto war arc moment, but a different war. The third Hokage speech from the sound in, in Sand Invasion. Okay. This is an arc that, in my opinion, really gets slept on, because while it's not perfect, it has some really good moments to it. And the third Hokage speech to Orochimaru is one of my favorite moments of the whole series. Because our, the third Okage is not mincing words. Like, he's not thinking, I'm going to beat you, Orochimaru, and I'm going to save this village. He, th- he knows my time is coming up. I'm older. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But that's okay. And he starts talking about everybody in the village and just how much they mean to him and how they're all connected through the will of fire. And during this, because throughout the majority of the war, where people have been trying to get the women, civilians, and children safe. And it's like, okay, now that everybody's safe, let's start counterattacking. And you get to see the the parents for the Inoshikacho trio. You get to see Kiba's family doing some stuff. And you get a really beautiful soundtrack as this is going. And you see everybody working together. And, as, and one of my favorite moments is when Shino's dad shows up and saves him from dying due to the poison. And, it, and it, the whole thing is just cool because you can really tell. Look, people, people rip on the third Hokage. I think a little unjustifiably at times. It's just nice to see that he did have faith and love every single person in the village and have faith in them. And it's right as, and it's one of, it's a defining moment for Naruto because Naruto was always like, I'm going to be Hokage. So everybody starts looking up to me. So nobody picks on me anymore. But at this point, when he goes nine tails mode, he thinks to himself, I'm going to protect everybody. And that's kind of what a Hokage is supposed to be right before lunging off against Gara. The whole speech, the music, Everything about this just really fits well, and I feel like nobody really talks about it. No, I, I can co-sign. I, I kind of understand both sides. I feel uh, the third Hokage, he made his mistakes at, uh, throughout the story, and that shows that leaders aren't always perfect, which is actually a very important thing to learn. But it's also, but he does have the belief and uh, tries to do the right thing for everybody to make the village prosper. And I understand, and he, I, I can kind of toast that. I, yeah, he's, that in the speech that he gives Orochimaru, trying to, I guess, 
it's hard to tell if he's trying to make a Richie change or just make him understand what he's given up. I think it's a little bit of both, but I also think it's a little bit of, hey, man, even if you don't change, I'm taking away your arms. I win. Which is very true. He does win because he stop he delays Orochimaru, God, months from uh, getting Sasuke and probably, and also delays him from, which causes him to miss the opportunity to take Sasuke. Yeah, it's it's just a moment that I feel like really encapsulates. It really, it goes on just long enough that it doesn't feel cheesy. It's just a really cool moment because you actually get to see other people in the village doing stuff. Uh, and showing, hey, it's important to protect the people around you, and that's really good. But when time comes, you you got to stop the people who are trying to hurt them. And I don't mean stopping them. I mean, like, you got to kill some people sometimes. Yeah, um, I do agree. And also, it's really nice, because this is, until pain and then the final war arc, that's kind of all we get for the rest of the village. It's always the Konoha 13 and... uh their mentors are the ones that we always see fighting, and we never see anyone else fighting until, except for Pain's attack and the war arc. That's yeah. it. Yeah, but also Shino's dad showing up because that got me. Because that got me as a kid. Because I, for a quick second as a kid, I thought, oh god, they're gonna, they're not gonna kill Shino, are they? Yeah, and uh, we still agree that uh, Shino did win that fight, though. Oh no, no, he, no. <laughs> he, he destroyed Kakuro. But like I said, the third Hokage speech. All right. So my next one. Go ahead. All right. So this one is one that got me really hyped and made me think that uh, this series is finally back after a pretty big hiatus. I will not let you destroy my world from Dragon Ball Super. Okay. So... This is actually, I've looked it up, and I found out um, that the Japanese version is something along the lines of stop enjoy, stop enjoying destroying everything. This is so much better. This is where the dub does this uh, scene much more justice than the sub. It's I know it's a very rare moment, but I will not let you destroy my world. Goku powers back up to Super Saiyan, flies up and continues his fight with Beerus despite having fallen out of Super Saiyan God. And it's just one of those moments that you feel the emotion from Goku. And it when I first saw this, I was thinking, oh, this is Dragon Ball Z, or Dragon Ball, in this case, Dragon Ball Super is back. It's it's finally back. It's been, God, over a decade at that point, if I remember correctly, when uh, GT had finished airing in the U.S. So. Something like that. And we never got really the specials that uh, Japan got, so it had been a long time since we got anything extra, really. Yeah. I just It's especially just cool because, I don't know, I always feel like Beerus is one of the more interesting characters we've gotten in a while, and just the idea that you, deep down, like, look, we all dump on Goku, but I feel like Goku is a lot smarter than people give him credit for, especially during battle. And I can, I actually kind of get the feeling he knew, I don't know if I can hold him off, but I'm not going to let that stop me. I don't know. To me, the biggest heroes are the people who know I might, may, am I going to lose? Probably. Am I going to let that stop me? Not a chance. Exactly. And that's what this moment encapsulates. It's that Goku, I don't think we've ever seen him give up ever like uh well except for cell you never can tell with that because he's always knowing him he uh because he apparently looking back on that he promised chi chi that he would get a job so i think he just didn't want to get a job because he knew he'd beat cell so he's like okay i'm i'm gonna get myself killed somehow so i don't have to work knowing the afterlife there's a good chance you have to work even in the afterlife that is oh god that's depressing never mind i take that back never mind no but it's just and the way it's said it's perfect it, it it's really hard to focus because the scene is shot really weird or uh drawn very weird but it's because it's zooms in and his head's going like this as he's shouting but you feel him like He's reached a new level at this point. And it's just, 
to me, it's the perfect Dragon Ball Z moment. It's the perfect comeback for the series. Exactly. I can I can completely agree with that. That it's weird. We both have Dragon Ball Super moments that specifically feature Goku. Yes, hmm. you're on to yours now. Yeah. Goku refuses to forgive Zamasu and Goku Black. Dragon Ball Super. Okay. Okay, we know Goku is a very kind, forgiving person. Potentially letting people live, even though he probably shouldn't, in all honesty. But when they're when they're going up against Zamasu and Goku Black, it's safe to say the Z Fighters are kind of screwed. They get beat a lot of this, these fights. And even though they're in the future, and Trunks lets them know, yeah, a lot of the people you know and love are gone right now. Now, oh. They the villains straight up tell Goku, "Hey, um, you know your you know your wife and you know your son Goten. What do you think happened to them?" And it shows a really chilling, haunting scene of an evil Goku killing Chi Chi and Goten. And rather than Goku be like, "I'm going to stop you. I'm going to power up," he just screams, "I will." He heals himself basically, goes into an adrenaline filled rage, and says, "I will never forgive you for what you've done," and turns the tables. It's real. It's. It's honestly kind of scary to see Goku like this, but you realize he's completely justified. The nice, kind hero who loves everybody and who will accept you if you've ch genuinely changed or at least wants you to give up your evil ways and move on with your life would have killed these people if he had the power to, and there would have been no hesitation about it. To push somebody that far, I was scared of Goku at that moment. Yeah, this is definitely one of those moments in Dragon Ball. It's one of the few moments it's... God, the only other one I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, the initial Dragon Ball uh, Super Saiyan transformation, where he's legit angry and willing to kill or hurt the person. Not out of just sparring, but literally I, he wants to kill if he has to at this point yeah although i although he kept telling frieza give up your evil ways and even gave him energy i that there would have been none of that here i fully believe had he had get, been given the chance he would have finished them off and could you really blame him no not really yeah but it's chilling it's chilling on both the villains and the hero side of things and it really just shows he's not the best at showing it but goku loves his family more than anything yeah, it's he's always portrayed as being the worst dad, but in all honesty, even once he was resurrected, he did take that job that I talked about after, with mine and all that, that where he is now a radish farmer. So he is making money for his family. Yeah, and he's a great grandfather from the sounds of it. How? You always see, you. what do you mean how? All the time. There are so many images and clips out there of Goku spending time with Pan. Well, that would just be his grand. He'd be a grandfather for that. Yeah, I said he's such a great grandfather. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you meant great grandfather. I'm like, wait, no, what? No, 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 no. I'm like, what did I miss? How? What? What? Everything. Every. I don't know. Someone's fanfic. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No, he is. I imagine a pretty good grandfather. I haven't seen much of that yet, but I know. I know there's a good bit of story that Super's manga has that I haven't seen, so. Yeah, and I'm starting to want it. But overall, Goku Goku showing everybody, I'm a nice guy, but mess with me too much and no one's going to be able to save you. Yeah, but I'll, I'll co-sign. That, that was a fun moment. I, I have to talk about this. I want to go back and watch Dragon Ball Super again. Same. All right. So my next one? Go ahead. All right, so this one is one of those that kind of tugs at the heartstrings. It's a, it's a pretty sad moment in the entire series, and it's Ren Goku's death in Demon Slayer. Pretty much, he was one of those that you always kind of see him as a uh, happy-go-lucky, like, I mean... Your first real interaction is he's at the Hashiro Council and he pretty much is willing to kill uh, Nezuko. He listens, but he's one of those that is fine with listening to the boss of the entire group. 
and your next interaction with him is him sitting on a train eating the uh, box lunches, screaming tasty after every bite. We, we, just... we, we've been to Brazilian steakhouses. We, let's not act like we haven't done the same thing. True. But it's just... so. But you get and you get to know him throughout this arc that he his father had become a, uh, a drunkard and abusive towards him and his little brother because he viewed his life as unfair and didn't want them really to follow in his footsteps of being uh, Demon Slayer and Hashira after uh, they lost the mother and wife. Of, um... But the part that really gets you is that by the end of this arc, he's come to accept Tanjiro as a legit demon slayer. He's able, he views him as being really good at and possibly a future Hashira and one of their greatest members. And he accepts Nezuko, despite her being a demon, into their ranks, saying that if she's willing to fight and uh, defeat uh, demons to uh, save help with this, then he's what he's going to accept her. But he's also does everything in his power to uh, keep the uh, demon trapped with him so that it dies in the sun. It still escapes, but it's one of those moments that like he wanted everything, and it's just. After all you get to know of him during this entire arc, it's a sad moment. Yeah, I I, I definitely get that. It especially especially since it's like, oh, we finally gotten the chance to know this person. We finally, they've all finally accepting of each other, and that's when it gets yanked out from under you. Sometimes it's really effective in anime. Other times it's like, what was the point? They could have lasted longer, but sounds like it's the former this time around. This one is very much done well to set up just how strong the uh, upper moon demons are when compared to the lower moon, which is the one that they had just defeated, and the upper moon's the one that gets uh, Rengoku killed. So it's just, it's one of those... The death is warranted because it sets everything up for the future, and it makes you understand you haven't seen how powerful some of these uh, demons are going to get over the next little bit. Yeah. I, I can co-sign onto that. Hopefully I'll give Demon Slayer a chance. Don't hold your breath on that, though. Yeah, it's another one I know. Because it, it took me forever because it was forced down my throat a lot when I first saw it. Yeah, I don't even know fully if that's what it is. I just People just don't seem to tell me what's good about it. You've told me good things about it, but everyone else is just like, oh, well, it's really good. Well, how's it good? It's good. Okay, but like, how? nothing yeah uh, that's uh, yeah if you can't tell someone exactly like what are the best parts like in my opinion i really enjoy the animation style and the characters in my opinion are done really pretty well for there's a couple that are iffy or at least be honest about it and be like what's good about it? i don't know i'm like all right I, you're honest I'll, I'll accept that all right but your next one all right the black bulls save finral it from black clover okay all right, so during the magic, the Royal Knights exam, Finral has to go up against his younger brother, Longris, who people have forgiven way too easily over the past several chapters. But regardless, this Finral is not that strong. He's basically support and can teleport for people. Oh, but at the same time, though, oh, thanks to the Black Bulls, he's become a lot more confident and actually has started training and saying, hey, I've actually come up with some new spells and my teammates and I are going to beat you guys. He's Longris, of course, runs him down, and they have a really awesome fight together. And sadly, Finral ends up losing and is really mortally wounded thanks to his brother. But his brother is pissed off about it because not only did Finral last longer than he expected, but he also realizes that despite the fact that he that Longris is the powerful one, Longris was handed everything, Finral's more liked by people, probably because Finral's a really, really nice guy. So he attempts to kill Finral and finish him off. Meanwhile, the Black Bulls watching immediately storm the field in a chilling scene and stop it, him. And each of the Black Bulls gets a moment where they where they tell him, go ahead, take another step. But just know the second you take another step, you're dead. You really get to see the bonds of the Black Bulls. And, and for all their goofiness and the fact that they failed a lot of missions beforehand, none of that matters right now. 
Now, it's a chilling, powerful, badass scene. And it's one of the, and full disclosure, when I first saw this, when I was watching, and I legitimately stood up. Like, I was that angry at Longrest. I'm like, oh, like, guys, do something, please. Like, anything that physically moves me is probably making it onto this list. I can understand this moment. I've seen, I don't know if I've seen the episode, but I know I've seen this scene, uh, like, on YouTube, on, like, the Crunchyroll list or something. And so I can, I can go side. It seems like a very powerful moment of just him uh with uh Finneral being defeated and the rest of the black bulls standing up to defend him despite well not despite anything for being their friend yeah it's especially especially considering yami wasn't there if yami was there longris would probably have been dead because you know yami loves those idiots yeah they're his idiots that's why he loves them <laughs> yes Yes, and you even hear Gordon very quietly. You're like, oh, what's he going to see? He's like, I'm going to protect my friends. No, Gordon just very quietly says, you actually managed to piss me off. I'm like, oh, gosh. The nicest guy on this team, you're actually pissed off, and I believe him. But yeah, that was, like I said, anything that gets me to physically stand up and yell, leave him alone. Like, it, it gets, it. that's a reaction. Yeah, no, I, exactly. God, I've got so much... So many shows I want to try to get through. I need to figure out the timing for all of them. Let's just get to honorable mentions. All right. So my first honorable mention is uh, Ichigo getting his Soul Reaper powers back in Bleach. So pretty much at the end of uh, his fight with Aizen, using the final Getsuga Tensho, Ichigo has said he's going, he knows that he's sacrificing his connection to his uh, Soul Reaper powers and what, uh, and they will eventually fade. We've gotten moments with uh, Rukia kind of fading out, saying goodbye because he can't see her anymore. And then we cut to years later and he gets, or about a year later, and he um, starts training, getting these things. Uh, getting the full bring powers. Well, Ginjo steals them from him, and you feel his emotion because all his friends think he's gone crazy because their minds have been altered uh, to think that other people were their friends and he was not necessarily their best friend anymore. And you just you feel all this emotion, and all of a sudden, a blade is stabbed through his chest, and he's turns and he thinks his father and um, Unahana have betrayed him. And then he, they're like, no, you idiot. Turn and look. And he turns and Ruki is standing there with this. And you watch, I forgot what it's called, but the portal between the Soul Society and Earth opens and all of the Soul Reapers come by and they explain that he, they poured their Soul Reaper powers into that to give him his powers back. He awakens and watch uh, wields his big sword, swings it, and like the sky clears, and the guy, I guess, think that that was a gets a good tension, and it's like, no, he just swung his sword. Does number one start playing when he does this? It plays during the fight. I can't remember if it's right then, but it's still it, it plays shortly after that. I know. Yeah, and anytime can, number one plays, at any time somebody gets their powers back, it's honestly. I don't want to do another video about it right now, but it honestly is a pretty convincing cliche. It's always something that's like, like, it's because it's normally done well, because when someone loses their powers, they feel lesser about it. So when they finally gain them back, that's when, that's when it feels like we care again. That's when it feels like, okay, they, he, the villain's in for a rough time. Yeah, and it's just... And when it comes to Bleach, whatever number one plays, you could almost always say that that's a good, great moment, so... Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. Like I said, it's not my favorite it song from anime, but I don't, I don't see us doing a video about that. But it's probably it's it's up there, but it's just not my favorite. No, I can understand. I just I grew up watching Bleach on Cartoon Network, so whenever I heard the song, it was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I could probably say what the worst one is. It's it's Excalibur song from Soul Eater. Ah, <laughs> uh, but at least. But somehow Excalibur's, I think, the only character that got his own theme song in uh, 
other people got their own it's just like they but they themselves didn't sing it so i guess it wasn't as noticeable but i understand ichigo getting his powers back i could i can definitely see why that's something you would gravitate towards it's something you'd be like oh yeah i'm gonna keep watching this unfortunately we only got like 10 more episodes and then it went on hiatus until the thousand year blood war arc started so at least you got it. At least they didn't wait another thousand years to bring it back. That's true. And I need to catch up because I've fallen behind on since I got through the first part and then they went on a break for while they you, animated the next part. You've been complaining about it for so long and then it comes back. Yes. <laughs> okay, so my first honorable mention? Go right ahead. Marika's accent gets revealed. Nisekoi. Okay. Honorable mention because it's not necessarily that big of a moment, but at the same time, I just find this moment more interesting than um, than super amazing or super terrible or hilarious or anything. So Marika shows up and she claims, "Oh hi, hey, I'm Marika and I'm Raku's fiance from when we were kids." And she's very prim and proper and a little stuck up at times. But at, but Raku admits, "Yeah, I don't remember this girl in the slightest." Which what I pointed this out before. If you can't remember who your fiancé, who you promised to marry, maybe you shouldn't be with any of these people, because that's kind of pathetic. But regardless, this he he's re he, the more the episode goes where she's introduced happens, he starts to realize, wait a minute, she remembers all of this stuff, but I don't remember anything of it. What's going on? I These memories make sense, but not with this person. And she gets, she starts off very combat, but she gets increasingly frustrated to it. To the point where she finally snaps and goes from proper princess to, I don't really know the proper term for it, but country bumpkin. Yeah, she slips out of her, she slips and starts talking with a thick country accent. He's like, wait a minute, I remember you. And it makes sense. If some, if you grew up talking with some, grew up with somebody and they were talking completely different this day and age than when they were 10 or so years ago, makes sense you wouldn't remember them. And it honestly just showed like, hey, Hey, I changed who I was just so you would love of me. Just so I could, in a way, I could say, hey, hey, I'm growing to be a proper person just like you would like. And Raku even tells her, that's great, but you don't have to be a different person. I liked you as the person you were back then. You don't have to be perfect for me. I actually think you being imperfect is even better. It's just a fascinating scene because this was one of the first times I ever saw, oh, wow. Accents in anime, I didn't see that coming. It sounds like a very interesting moment. I don't know the series as I've talked about before well, but I would be an interesting moment of... I'm just thinking, like, meeting someone I used to know who spoke a specific way and listening to them possibly speak either more proper or have changed how they spoke, I could definitely see not remembering or not recognizing someone at first yeah and it's weird because it gets brought up every now and then it's actually like her backstory is actually kind of sad because she's been sick through a lot of the series and raku was her only friend and so there's even a moment where it's where she as a kid she's asked hey what type of house would you like and he starts explaining oh a big house with windows and just basic house stuff Mm -hmm. And she actually gets a part-time job and starts saving up. And there's a giant fishbowl of money where it's like, when we get together, I'm buying a house. I'm buying the house that he's always wanted. It's stuff like this where you're like, huh, she was the least popular, one of the least popular characters. And I kind of feel sorry for this girl. Wait, really? Like, she sounds like she would be one of the more popular ones. Oh, here's the thing. She can be obnoxious with how prim and proper and kind of... She's kind of mean to some of the other girls, but at the same time, I'm like, she's trying, I'm just like, there are too many good <laughs> moments for me to fully hate her. Is she my favorite? No, but I'm like, I can't hate this girl. I, In a way, you kind of start to root for her. I can understand that. Yeah, but her accent showing through, I like, she went from a, it was a moment for, that got me to go from, okay, another girl to, oh, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. <laughs> All right. So my next honorable mention. So I could have picked any one of like a hundred moments in One Piece, and I've talked about a lot of them. So I 
picked another moment that's a pretty nice moment. It gets me uh, not necessarily teary-eyed, but it's it's a nice moment. And it's uh, Vivi's goodbye yep. at the end of the Alabasta arc. So you really expect at this point that Vivi's going to join the crew. It's she's While she's the princess, you think she's got all these ties with the Straw Hats. They've become like best friends with Nami. Um she gets along great with all the rest of the cast. But they uh the Straw Hat crew understands that she needs to stay in Alabasta because she's got to rebuild her kingdom and make it uh and help make a better world from there. And she can do that better than being part of their crew. And so they decide to leave without her because she could get in trouble if the world government finds out that she's connected to them. So they try to leave sneakily, and but she kind of finds out that they're leaving and rushes to them. And you find out that... And Luffy and Usopp want to turn around and say goodbye, but Nami makes them stop, and they actually listen to her because the world government's listening. And so they, you get this moment where all the uh, straw hats are holding up their arm where they have this mark on it uh, to, so that they could differentiate them from, uh, oh god, I forgot what his name was, Mr. Th- it might be Mr. It's not Mr. Three, it's Mr. Two or something, I can't, it's the guy who can transform into them and yeah. uh, disguise yeah. himself. And it's to show that they're still connected, but she has her own duties here that she needs to fulfill, and they understand that and don't want to get her in trouble but they'll still be there for her and it's such a nice moment yeah this is honestly one of the earliest one piece moments i remembered because as a kid watching i was like oh she's gonna join the crew she's gonna oh no she's not what the hell well but you also kind of get that she's honestly an honorary straw hat pirate which honestly there are tons of there's a giant (laughs) whale that's a honorary straw a hat yeah and there's a uh gaiabon Gaimon, who's in a, who's the guy trapped in a chest. He's a member of the Straw Hat Pirates, technically. Wasn't there a tree stump one episode? Uh, depends. I think there might have been two. There's one I think in... <laughs> you should not be able to say, oh, it depends. I think there might be... <laughs> well, oh there's, there's one in Whole Cake Island that gets captured by the Straw Hats and is forced to work with them... Uh, due to having part of Big Mom's uh, Viva card. And then uh, in Thriller Bark, there's a dead zombie tree and zombie unicorn, who also uh, Luffy wants to recruit. All I, re- all I remember was it was very early on in the series. I don't even think Usopp had been recruited at this point, but I could have been wrong. And that might be Gaiamon you're thinking of, the guy trapped in a chest and he, he's he got like a fro that looks like a bush. Yeah, that's what, I don't know, I don't know, man. The series is confusing <laughs> enough. Yeah, no, but there's tons of honorary straw hat pirates, so. Yeah, he, Luffy invited us at one point and I said we'd think about it. You do know that that, to him, that means we're part of his crew, right? Yeah, but I wanted him to sweeten the deal. He he. So I guess not. But yeah, I can understand. And honestly, it, there are time I kind of want an arc, and I don't know if it's been done yet. I'd love an arc where all the honorary straw hats have to team up and fight together, or go adventuring together. There's not necessarily an adventure. There's the um, oh god, there's some big like gathering of all the uh, heads of state of the world, and you have uh, Vivi. Um, oh god. I forgot her name from uh the girl from Dress Rosa and the um mermaid princess right all come together <laughs> and they um get to and they get to know and find out that they all had interactions with Luffy and support the straw hats technically yeah but I understand it was def it was, it's a powerful moment and it's it's one that I feel like every One Piece fan remembers whether you've watched. Uh, whether you've watched every episode, which I doubt anybody has done, or you've just seen a good amount of them. Yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those other modes that we just really haven't talked about. We've talked about, I've talked about Robin's moments and Nami's moments before, and there's other moments that we'll probably eventually talk about. But Yeah, there was one on my list, but I decided, no, I think I have one I like more, but I can co-sign. 
All right. So your next honorable mention? Joey wakes up in Battle City from Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Uh, look, I've talked a lot about about Joey versus Merrick. I'm not going to get into that this time. But when he finally wakes up after the duel, it's one of the most heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching and still heartwarming moments. Because when he wakes up, he's like, did I beat Merrick? And they're like, no, you lost. You lost, and we almost lost you because of it. And Joey just has to sit and lament of, I failed in the end. And it's it's really an introspective moment. We don't get a lot from him, because whenever he fails, people will make fun of him. But, like, nobody knows how to tell him, hey, sorry, but you lost. But it also gets heartwarming, because as he wakes up, Serenity hugs him, and he's like, what's going on? And, and Taya's like, well, you, we were waiting for you to wake up. And we know that Duke... Duke has not been the nicest to Joey. He's he made Joey dress up in a dog costume that one episode, but you even see him, you even see Estea talking, you see Duke is trying to hold in tears and mercifully failing at it. And only after all of that, Tristan grabs Joey by like the scruff of his shirt and he's like, Don't ever scare us like that again. And he starts breaking down the system. I mean, um the girls were really worried about you, but I knew you'd pull that you'd pull out of this and it's just a beautiful scene because for all the talk of friendship and we'll always be there for each other, you really see it in this moment and you feel bad for Joey, but at the same time, you see that everybody's just happy that he's back. And even the fact that the guys can't hold back tears, it's it's honest, it's such a powerful scene. It's one of my favorites. This is one of those scenes because Everybody at this point thinks he's trapped in the shadow realm because he lost the duel, technically. Yeah, but... he, which it's not. He's just basically knocked out. And so I, I can definitely co-sign. This is one of those moments that... <laughs> and you know that pretty much right after this, he wants to go support uh, Yugi despite uh, his own injuries and still not being at full strength and all that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Definitely. Honestly, I found myself, like, even as a kid, far more interested in as in, is Joey going to be okay? Other than, oh, Yuki and Kaiba, again, six episodes later. Oh, they're still dueling. Great. And guess what? We know Yuki's going to have to win because he's going to have to beat Merrick at this point. Uh, yeah, but like I said, heartbreaking, heartwarming, like this moment, this moment, even as, even now that I'm older, I get a little, I get emotional seeing Tristan and Duke's reactions in particular. Yeah, I mean, Tristan's definitely makes sense because they've been best friends for the entire series. Duke, it's nice to see that he's warmed up so much to uh, this group of friends that he's created that he's, like, he's turned his life around pretty much from being uh, a weekday villain to who this member of the group. <laughs> who protecting his friends by throwing dice at the bad guys. Hey, it works. If, if it ain't broke, I guess. But what's your next honorable mention? All right. My last honorable mention. I may have mentioned this one before. I can't remember if I have or not. Um, it's uh fairy tales stand at the end of the grand magic games okay so the final kind of match game for the uh grand magic games is in uh pretty much an all-out battle among the competing guilds uh and what we've seen is throughout the last handful of episodes is each of the fairy tale members has beaten pretty much kind of their not i guess counterpart is the word for from other guilds and uh gain strength but in the process becomes severely injured and you uh sting from uh sabertooth who's kind of serving as not a bad guy but an antagonist for this series or this part of the series um has sat out he's been off on the side hidden uh saving his energy and he shoots up a symbol so so they know where to find him. And he, uh, and all these uh, injured wizards just walk up. They form a line and stand there ready to fight him. And you get Sting making fun of them saying, look at all of you, you're injured. I could blow on you and you would fall over. And uh, you get all this stuff. 
but they just stand there and they're with their determination to not lose and sting realizes that even if he was to go over there and start fighting them he would end up losing and he surrenders and you get this touching moment because they get uh return his uh pet cat thing and they uh that was stolen by someone else that they recovered but they had to wait till the game was over to actually get it back to him okay hey so it's just one of those moments that it's like just you can see it on their faces it's drawn extremely well that they're so determined to make up for the fact that they were gone for seven years this is their chance and they will not lose despite having been some of them grievously injured like if it was if this wasn't anime they would be dead kind of thing yeah now this sting in character i don't know a whole lot about I don't know a whole lot about them. Does he does he sing and play music? No. Okay, no. does he walk around with face paint, a baseball bat, and yell, it's showtime? Sometimes. No. Ah, then, oh man, then I don't know who this person, then I don't know who this person is. Yeah, well, I think, unlike uh, the sting you're thinking of, this one's blonde hair. Well, there, there was, well, the wrestler sting also was blonde at one point. Wait, wait. <laughs> Is your sting a surfer? That's quite possible. Holy crap, it's the same <laughs> guy. No, I, I, in all seriousness, I do understand. I, in all seriousness, I think you, rem- I remember you talking about sting that he should have ended up with Yukina, Yukino, whatever her name is. They, they kind of tease it a little bit, but they don't, it, it's one of those relationships that isn't made official or anything. So that's. That's another video I want to do. Canon couples that probably would that probably wouldn't last, but that that we're gonna lose a lot of subscribers for that one. All right, but yeah, it's just as I said, it, it's just a kind of a powerful moment um, because they get a they get someone who's completely healthy to surrender without, despite their grievous injuries, and just by standing up to him. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a really cool movement, and I know you've talked about really enjoying this arc before, so it it's nice to know. Yeah, all right. And your final honorable mention: the cookies from Shimoneta. Yeah. No. Okay. No. 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 It. Well, that that's part of it, but in all. But I, I'll just want to leave on that awkward note. In all seriousness, Takina's dessert from Lacoris Recoil. Okay. Ah, okay. Uh, so, you know, despite the fact that this series is about a bunch of teenage girls running around, in some cases, killing criminals, saving the day, helping people, and a real, some really badass moments, it's also about our main characters working in a, ca- a dessert cafe. <laughs> so, Chisato is incredibly popular and always trying to find more ways of making the cafe money so, like, they don't all starve. So throughout the episode, you see them trying to come up with new ways, like, oh, maybe we could do a special attraction, or maybe we could get side jobs to make money for the cafe. And Takina is not as good as, at this stuff. So she decides, well, how about we come up with a brand new dessert? And she comes up with one. It's like this chocolate, I don't even know how to describe it, like a chocolate cake or a giant chocolate pancake. It sounds delicious with all the toppings. It really does. <laughs> the problem is, you take a good look at the dessert, and I don't really know how to describe this without potentially having this video being demonetized, but it looks like a, a giant mound of shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you would, and the thing is, it's popular, everyone's buying it, but people, but, uh, but Shisato and, the, and one of the other patrons there is like, wait a minute, are people buying this because they think it tastes good, or does it look a little off to you? And she saw just like, oh, yeah, it it is. Talking about doesn't know. She's just like, my dessert's really popular. And then through some shenanigans, she sees that online people are posting about it. It's like, huh, look what this dessert looks like. And she's traumatized for the rest of the episode about it. And despite being normally cool, calm, and collected, and or sometimes even scary with how her anger is, it's, people are trying to comfort her, like, hey, it's popular, shouldn't you, you shouldn't you be happy and talking? It's like, please, just don't bring it up, please, just move on, just move on, please. 
it's honestly, in my opinion, probably the funniest moment because you just get to see a new side of this seemingly serious character, but you just get to see her, you see her suffering, but it's people aren't making fun of her. It's more just like, hey, it'll get better, I promise. And she's just like, no, turn the cameras off. No, just let never let us sell this again. Sounds like a very funny episode overall with just... <sighs> Yeah, just not wanting to be embarrassed over something that you've created, yet it's so popular because of it. I think that's what this channel is becoming. Yeah, that makes sense. Overall, though, just the kind of cute moment, but also me realizing at some point I'd have to tell her. I'd be like, hey, look, I appreciate all everything you're doing, and I appreciate this dessert, but does it look a little off to you? And she'd probably be like, no, why? I'm like, you know what, forget it. Somebody else handle it. <laughs> All right. But my uh, final one? Please go ahead. So I have the Space Battleship uh, Yamato uh, launches and saves Earth in from Space Battleship Yamato. Okay. So this moment, uh, the Gamelons, who are the bad guys, know that something is going on on Earth. They're, they've something weird's going on there's their powers being transferred really weirdly so they target it with a massive interplanetary ballistic missile um and they target uh what is the space battleship yamoto which is currently disguised in the remains of the battleship yamoto um and it's uh Pretty much as the missile's coming down, they're trying to transfer all their power to uh, in Japan over to the ship to launch it to save so that it can launch and go save Earth. And it isn't enough. It's not going to be able to take off from with the power that Japan's providing. And at worst possible moment, the backup generator or the power goes out in uh Japan, uh, Japanese headquarters on Earth because they're draining the power too much to uh, Yamato. Well, it comes back up and they've discovered that the rest of the world has connected their power grids and are transferring power into uh, Yamato. It launches, fires, destroys the missiles, saving uh, pretty much the people of Japan that are pro were probably going to get killed if it hit. You get the uh, theme song starting to play and the, as the ship clears the smoke and is off to uh, start its adventure. It's such a moment that's like, not only has it saved the day, but Earth has come together to save itself by launching this ship. And yeah. you get all these moments. I mean, it's in the series, the ship is like nicknamed like the ship of hope. It, it's got all these different little nicknames because it is in the series the last hope of humanity yeah is this also the rat right around the part where captain okita dies no no, no. this is the start of the series that's oh the, wow uh that's the end of season one technically there are multiple seasons wow i don't i didn't even know that yeah there's of the original series i know there's at least three i think there's three, there's several movies. It's the timeline is very convoluted when it comes to Space Battle Shipyamoto. Because there's um after the third season, the two creators of the series went their separate ways and each kind of created their own canon after an argument. So it, it gets really confusing because they resurrect uh Captain Avatar and all that at one point in one of the canons, and then the other it jumps to like 3509 or something so it's just it's all over the place i got nothing for that but no but the this moment is just so powerful as i said and i love the theme song for this series so hearing it play as uh the ship clears uh having just uh saved planet earth for the first time and is off to save it permanently at this point yeah, I can I can definitely see that. I does it is it as effective in the newer series or the remake, or do you prefer the original version? 
I haven't watched the original version in a long time, so I'd have to go back and watch. I would say, but based on that, I would say yes, because I watched the newer series more recently. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I guess a win by technicality is still a win, so good on you, remake. All right. But your final one? All right. I don't really know how to label this moment, but honestly, it's just a moment for me where I kind of feel ev- pretty much every emotion I could possibly feel in it. It, and it's Shield's sacrifice from God Eater. Okay. Okay, so at this point in God Eater, all of the hero- the main cast of Blood has met each other. They don't completely get along, but at the same time, they know when to work together and put that aside. And towards the end of one of their missions, they have these things called, the, they have these things, these, I don't remember the name of them, but they have giant robots that fight off the origami monsters. And one of the villains in Gremslow was saying, hey, make sure those robots don't get destroyed. You all can lose your lives for all I care, but we put money into their those. Yeah, he he sucks. sucks. But at the same time, I'm, one of the main characters, S.H.I.E.L.D., gets split off from everybody. And there's this thing called Red Rain, which could at worst kill, that could either kill humans or potentially cause them to turn into origami. And while Sheil is separated, hey, the, it, Gremslow says, hey, make sure she's useless right now. She got away from the team. Just make sure, make sure our merchandise is safe. And the and the Captain Julius keeps screaming, no, we need to go save her. Or I'm not losing anybody else at this point. I mean, these, these people are my teammates. And Sheil, who grew up in a very military-like background, says, I'm sorry, Captain. I can't listen to your request. As if it's for them, if it's for the mission and nobody else getting hurt, I'll sacrifice myself. And then, as Julius is giving up, up, up somebody, I think it was Gil, might have said, "Hey, uh, Captain, the Vice Captain Hero, yeah, he went off. He went off. And as it's revealed, Hero actually went off to save Shield at the very last second. And then we get this scene later that shows Hero in the brig because, I because technically he broke a law." Uh, but you can tell Julius is just so proud of what he's done. And for as being as emotionless as she was early on, Shield's breaking down like, why did you save me? Hey, you disobeyed a direct order, and worst of all, you could have been killed. And it's just a beautiful moment because it really shows Shield and Hero's friendship, and honestly, at times, kind of a romance between the two. It's just a cool scene because you you feel anger at these villains. At these horrible people, you feel sadness for an inevitable sacrifice. But then you see, like, this isn't just a dark series. There is heart to it, and these characters do love each other in a sense. It's it's a it's my favorite scene in the franchise. It sounds like a very nice, uh, I guess, set of moments. It's kind of because it seems like it takes place over like throughout the her being up to her being rescued, and then continuing once she's rescued and. Uh, you said Hero is his name is in prison yeah, for yeah. it? App- apparently that's his name. I, I didn't decide that, but that's his name, apparently. Well, it, it's not... It, I think it's a common Japanese, or relatively common Japanese yeah, name. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. But it definitely sounds one of those... <laughs> I'm going to bring up another series that I'm into, but Star Trek, when the uh, their bi- one of their big sayings was, uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. In this but case, the, the one, yeah. But in the case, uh, but in like the next episode, they have the exact opposite. But sometimes the needs of the few or the one in this case outweigh the needs of the many, yeah. It, it, the th- it, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing I love about it because early on, on they told Hero, Hey, Shield hasn't doesn't have any friends, could you like try to be nice to her? And it's not just the thing is, it's not just showing, hey, these people are soldiers in a war. It's, hey, these people are humans, and humanity is what needs to win this war. The swords and guns definitely help, but showing humanity to other people when you can, it's just really it's just really cool to me. Yeah, it's a very important moment, because I've seen several series that have war where characters lose themselves and just become pretty much monsters themselves to survive and 
it's nice to show that if you can hold on to your humanity, you can still win no matter what. Yeah. I, I don't know. M maybe it also just has to do with, I think Shield's my favorite character. I don't know at this point. There are a lot of characters I really like. But overall, well, just the just everything from the set from the sacrifice to the anger from Julius to the saving, just everything. Seems like a very nice moment, and I just God, I, I that's another series that I should probably give a shot. Probably through the game, I would say, right? Yeah. Maybe that over the watching a series. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Right, maybe eventually. I got a I got way too many video games. I got to beat still. Yeah. But anyways, are we ready to close out? I believe so. Alright, so, ladies, gentlemen, and others, what are some anime moments that have gotten the biggest reactions out of you? Whether fear, anger, happiness, or just laughing at just how ridiculous it is, because I feel like I could have done a whole list of moments like that, but I'm just like, let's let's spread it out. Yeah, I'm the same way, so this one might get a sequel, probably. Yeah. Heck, I had, to, I'm gonna be honest, I had moments on this list I had to take off, because I thought to myself, I don't want this whole list to be moments that moments in the anime that made me angry because uh, one that's another list and two I, I would need time to mentally prepare i would need time to work on that list <laughs> i'm not asking it to be done tomorrow so it's fine but regardless moments in the anime that got you to really start paying attention and like i said they can be happy moments sad moments or just other confusing moments of thinking wow four kids was really on something with pokemon yeah, no, they were. Yeah. But anyways, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and all that other nonsense. Be good to each other, love yourselves, and we'll see you next time. This has been Alex. And Richard. And you have been listening to Anime Egotists. Good night. Peace easy.